Galatians 3.9 says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So God appeared to Abraham in a vision while he was living in Mesopotamia, which is the region between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. It's in modern-day Iraq. So I guess you could say Abraham was originally an Iraqi. Say, how do you know that? Because in the book of Acts, Stephen tells us this is what happened. And I'm assuming he knows. It's in Scripture. And God told Abraham, Abram, to leave his household and his homeland, abandon kith and kin, and move to a place that would be shown to him. And then, in addition to that, God gave him seven promises. Seven promises which were contingent upon his obedience. In other words, there's a condition to these promises being fulfilled in your life, Abram. You have to do what I said. And these promises were also the incentive to obey, to motivate him. And these promises also revealed God's purpose. There's a reason why God tells us to do something. When he said, leave your home and go to another land, he wasn't just messing with him. There's a reason why he's doing this. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, this is what God said to him. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it's interesting, in these two verses, the word bless is found five times. Bless, bless, it's a promise of blessing. And God began by promising to make Abraham, an old man, the father or the progenitor, the one who gives birth to, the, the progenitor of a great people group, which of course is the nation of Israel. But you see, you have to remember Israel is not just a country, a place on a map with a government. It's a big extended family. It's this man's family. They are the offspring, the descendants of 12 brothers who were the great grandchildren of Abraham. And then the Lord concluded this seven-part promise by talking about not one nation, but all the families in the earth shall be blessed 
in you. So that means this blessing was going to affect more than this one man. It's going to affect more than his family. It's going to affect more than the nation of Israel. It's going to affect every living person on the planet. So this is major. This is a big deal. Now, in the book of Galatians, the same chapter, chapter 3, but in verse 8, we have a divine commentary on this passage of Scripture. You know, some people, when they study the Bible, they refer to this commentator, this biblical commentator, you know, th this theological commentator. And some of them are just commentators, common potatoes. But, but here we have the Holy Ghost's uh, commentary. Actually, Paul, or the Holy Spirit through Paul, said in this verse that in this promise to bless all nations, God was indicating that he would justify or make righteous the Gentiles by faith. That that's what he meant. And furthermore, in this verse, Galatians 3.8, Paul, the Spirit of God through Paul, tells us that in saying this, in this promise, God was preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Now that's, that's an amazing thought. That Abraham heard the gospel ahead of time. He got a sneak preview of coming attractions. Here it is. Hallelujah. And so he went out. He obeyed. Hebrews 11.8 says... He went out by faith, you see. So in essence, we could say that by leaving his native country and saying goodbye to his relatives, he was obeying or believing the gospel. Say again, Paul says that when God said this to him, he was preaching the gospel. And God said, leave, and I'll bless you. And he left by faith. So in essence, basically you could say that when Abraham left his home and launched out, not knowing where he's going, that was tantamount. That's almost the same thing as saying he believed the gospel. So these verses, these seven promises in the book of Genesis chapter 12, 2 and 3, we could say then, we could argue then, these are the blessings of the gospel. Again, God said he was preaching the gospel to Abraham. Whew, hallelujah. And notice this. God not only promised to bless Abraham, he said, I will make your name great. Abraham became famous, remembered and revered throughout history. You know, that's something about the Lord. He can snatch you from a place of obscurity and put you in a place of prominence. He did it for his son, Jesus. He can do it for you, too. Hallelujah. And he has called you, all of us, to leave an indelible mark in our generation. 
Amen. That you have a purpose in God. And Abraham received blessing to become a dispenser of blessings. Blessed to be a blessing. He said, I'll bless you and you shall be a blessing. So you, know, you need to know this, that God enriches us so that we can enrich others. Are you out there? Amen. What God does for you, you need to know this, what God does for you is never for you alone. So, well, he saved me. But you see, that also is a blessing to others. And that is a testimony to others. God healed me. Yeah, but that's also a, a word of encouragement and an example for others to follow. Amen? Are, anybody here today? Yes. Smile, breathe, look happy. Let me see those white pearlies, teeth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, God is a generational God. I said, he's, not, he's a generational God. He's not just focused on the here and now. He's also concerned about your posterity, future generations. What God is doing in your life now is not just for you now. It's also for your children. It's for your grandchildren. It's for your children's children's children. Hallelujah. That's why it's important that you believe him because it doesn't just affect you. It affects your ancestors to come. Future generations. But here's something that's very important, okay, promise to bless him. Five times he uses the word bless. But the blessing of God, particularly in this context, you know, the blessing that God gave to Abraham, the blessing of God is more than God doing you a favor. It is when God looks upon you favorably. I'll say that again. Some of you just staring at me like, I feel like I'm in Madame Tussauds wax museum sometimes. The blessing of God, really the blessing of Abraham that we're talking about now is more than God doing you a favor, like to help you, to assist you, to do something for you. Yeah, that's fine, but it's more than that. It's when God looks upon you favorably. It is having God's approval and sympathetic concern so that he is inclined to lavish kindness on you. Whew. There's a lot more to this than what we thought. Again, he looks upon you with, with approval. He has in his heart sympathetic concern for you so that he's inclined, he's disposed, he, he has a tendency, he, he really, he's leaning into this to lavish on you. Not dole out meager blessings, to lavish upon you kindness, extreme kindness. I'm getting happy right now. I might just lead the praise and worship myself right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And this blessing also means that God aligns himself with you and becomes your ally. God becomes your ally. In other words, at this moment, if you just look at it, God is saying, I'm not just going to do something for you. I'm not just going to like help you out. I'm going to be your friend. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. You see, in the blessing, the blessing of Abraham, in the blessing, God responds to others the way that they respond to you. He said, I'll bless those who bless you. In other words, if people are good to you, I'll be good to them for your sake. In other words, they may not even know me. This is God talking. They may not even know me, but because they help you out, I'll help them out. Why? Because I'm your friend. I'm on your side, Abraham. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And so years later, and, and let me back up, but not only that, those who mistreat you, they're going to have to deal with me. I'm your ally. I'm on your side now. I'm your friend. So years later, God said to the children of Abraham in Exodus 22, uh, 23 and verse 22, I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Whew. In fact, that's what happened. Uh, when, when, when God parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel passed through, the Bible tells me the Egyptians tried to do the same thing. See, some people have faith and some people just try to imitate someone else's faith. It didn't work out for them. So they, 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 and the Bible says their chariot wheels got stuck in the mud, the Egyptians. And then in so many words they said, uh-oh, this, this is not working out. And then they said, we need to get out of here because the Lord fights for Israel. This world's going to find out that the Lord fights for you too. Amen. He said, the battle is the Lord's. You just need to obey God and move forward and he'll take care of the Egyptians. Can I get it? Amen. I'll bless those who bless you. But he also said, those who dishonor you will be cursed. It is a terrible mistake to dishonor the man whom God has blessed. We ought to take that to heart, all of us, right? It is a terrible mistake to dishonor the one whom God has blessed. So we have a story in the book of Numbers. Balak was the king of Moab, another country, right? enemy of Israel. And so he hired a man named Balaam, who was considered, regarded as a prophet. And he said, I'm going to give you money, and I want you to pronounce a curse on Israel. Why, why, why would he pay this guy money? Can't any of the Moabites curse Israel? Can't they all just stand there and curse Israel? What he means is, I want God to curse them through you, because you're a prophet. You hear from God. You know God. God's word is in your mouth. But God spoke to Balaam in the night and said in Numbers 22 and verse 12, you shall not curse the people for they are blessed. You cannot curse whom God has blessed. Come on now. I said you cannot curse whom God has blessed. Hallelujah. Now, now of course, Anybody could try to curse them. They could just, they, out of anger, out of fear, they could, they could say cursing words, but those words would be empty words. 
Because the Bible tells me in Proverbs 26 and verse 2, New International Reader's Version, Proverbs 26 verse 2, a curse given for no reason is like a wandering bird or a flying sparrow. It doesn't go anywhere. Let them curse. Let them curse. Whether you're in traffic or in the market, let them curse. Let them curse all they want to. You, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Some wicked woman came down from the mountain and cursed my family. Ha ha. Fly away, bird. <laughs> Fly away. Again, a curse given for no reason. Or we think, I think we could say it this way if it doesn't come from God, and God's not going to curse you, He's not going to curse His people. Hallelujah. It doesn't go anywhere. Amen. I said it doesn't go anywhere. Now, I got to say this. Some Christians are convinced that they're struggling in life because someone in the past put a quote unquote generational curse on them or their ancestors. That's what some Christians think. And so, you know, I'm, I'm struggling financially, I'm, I'm failing, I, 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 have this, I have these phobias, these fears, what, these issues, whatever it is, because there's a, quote, generational curse, unquote, maybe even on my distant ancestors. And so I need to find someone who will break that curse. Let me help you. That's false. That's false. That is completely totally unscriptural. Yeah, but Brother Zamazama wrote a book. I, I don't care who wrote a book. I'm, read, I'm reading from another book this morning. It's called God's Word, and this is unscriptural. The Bible makes it clear, if you belong to Christ, you are a new creation. Your spirit has been regenerated. You are an altogether new person, something that never existed before. They may have cursed you, but the man they cursed died with Christ. Christ broke the curse. Hallelujah. Also this, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, Peter says, if people revile you, revile. Now, the word revile is, is very similar to the word curse, right? Because actually the Greek word for curse means to, to say a bad word. Well, the word for bless, I'll say this. The word for bless in Greek is to say a good word over, to speak a good word over. Well, this would be speaking a bad word over you. So it's almost the same thing as saying if someone curses you, so, if, so again, if someone reviles you, if someone curses you, what should you do? Peter says, bless them. So that you may inherit a blessing. Notice Peter doesn't say, if someone curses you, pray that God would break that curse. There's no need for you to do that. You're wasting your time. Just bless them. Are you out there today? I said, are you out there today? Now, let's go back to what I said a moment ago earlier. When God said to Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
Galatians 3.8 tells us, Paul by the Spirit tells us, that God was preaching the gospel to him. He was indicating, he was showing that in the future, he was going to redeem mankind. He's going to provide redemption for mankind. He was going to justify the Gentiles by faith. He was going to make them righteous by faith in Christ. But notice this. God did not say, in you shall all the families of the earth be made righteous. He actually said, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Yet Paul says he was talking about righteousness, being right with God. This is what I want you to see. There is a direct connection between righteousness and the blessing. There is a direct connection between righteousness and the blessing. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. All the nations will be blessed through you. That's what God said. But the Holy Spirit through Paul tells us He's talking about making the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, right in the sight of God, justified, saved, in right standing with God. Yet he didn't say they'll be justified. He said they shall be blessed. Why? Because there is a righteousness-blessing connection. They go together. So these verses in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, this sevenfold promise broadly speaking, in general terms, outlines the blessing of Abraham. Now, later on, there's all kinds of details filled in, but basically speaking, this is Abraham's calling. And this basically describes the blessing of Abraham. It also describes for us the effect of righteousness in a person's life. It describes the effect of righteousness in a person's life. Because righteousness means more than being forgiven. It means being reconciled and restored to God. Are you still here today? Some of you look, don't worry, you'll get it. Just, keep, just stay with me. Let's look at another scripture. Romans 5, verse 1. This is, this is one of my favorite verses. Romans, fine, Romeo, char, ek, char, punch, 5-1. <laughs> Romans 5-1, shouldn't do that, I'll get in trouble. Romans 5-1 says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, justified means made righteous, declared righteous by God, since we have been justified by faith, meaning faith in the gospel, faith in Jesus, we have something. What do we have? Peace. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whew. Actually, this word means we have a harmonious relationship with God. See, like, it's not just a ceasefire. Like, North Korea and South Korea uh, signed a ceasefire, but they never ended the war. They're still enemies. Every now and then they take a shot at each other. God didn't sign a ceasefire with you. He still hates you and once in a while he takes a shot at you. That's, that's not true. We are now the friend of God. We are now the friend of God. Woo! 
Thank you for your enthusiasm. Everybody sit down while I'm preaching. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Isaiah 32, verse 17, another wonderful verse says, and the effect of righteousness will be peace. In other words, when you have righteousness, when you walk in righteousness, when you understand righteousness, there'll be an abundance of peace in your life. Peace with God is the root. Peace in every other area of your life is the fruit. Are you out there today? The effect of righteousness is peace. In other words, how does God bring peace in our hearts? By making us right with himself. Because if a man is not right with God, nothing else in his life will be right either. Amen? Okay, now Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Through him, through Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. Through Christ, we also have something. We have peace with God. We have something else too. What? We have access by faith into what? Into this grace in which we stand. So the classic definition, those of you that uh, you know, study the Word of God, those of you who, who, who study these things, the classic definition of righteousness is right standing with God. But in this verse, Paul refers to righteousness as this grace in which we stand. We are not only saved by His grace, we are standing in His grace. Hallelujah. In other words, righteousness means that God looks upon you with approval, with a benevolent attitude. You know what that means? Like, I want to do something for this person. Let me put it to you real simply. It means God not only loves you, he likes you. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're listening. It means that God not only loves you, he likes you. See, because there's, think about it. There are people in your family that you love because, you know, you, you should love them, right? And because you love them, you go, you're going to go to their funeral, but you may not like them. Now, nobody in this room, but, but you know, I'm talking about the church down the street. You may not like them, so you don't really want to hang around with them. Right? I have, I'll just, I'll just go on the record. I have and have had relatives in my extended family, uncles and aunts and stuff like that. And I saw them on holidays. And, and, and you know, Jeppy always tells me that, you know, the culture in America is so distant and so cold and, and she's right. But nonetheless, I, ha I have, have had relatives that I didn't see except holidays or special events, wedding, funeral, whatever. But I didn't hang out with them. They didn't come over to my house and just, we just, 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 just hang out. God doesn't just love you theologically. He enjoys your presence. 
And you're praying, oh God, I want to be in your presence. And he's saying, you have no idea how I want to be in yours. You prayed a little bit, sang a little bit. I gave my son for this. Hallelujah. He likes you. He likes you. Now, you may not get this. I'll try to, I'll try to explain it. But in English, I'm speaking in English today. If I preach a Nagamese, it's going to be chorta chorta sermon. Really, really, we'll be out of here in a minute. <laughs> in English, we have this expression, in his good graces. Have you ever heard about that, use that term before, ever heard about that? He's in, in his good graces. Maybe it's not so, doesn't really connect with you, but I'll explain it anyways. So like, imagine your friend says to you, can you ask your father to help me? And then you respond to your friend, uh, see, my father and I had an argument. And so right now, I'm not in his good graces. Why don't you tell my sister to ask him? In other words, maybe you're saying that um, if I ask him, the answer will definitely be no, because he, he's not really happy with me. But in my father's eyes, my sister can do no wrong. Anybody have siblings like that? In my father's eyes, my sister can do no wrong. So in other words, you know, uh, 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 you not only, she's his favorite. She's his favorite, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? So what it means is this. Because of righteousness, you not only have favor from God, you're his favorite. You're his favorite. But of course, the, the funny thing is, every believer is his favorite. I've, I've heard stories where like, you know, you know, father died and after the funeral, you know, the four sisters were talking and one of them said, of course, you know, everybody knows that I was father's favorite. And the other sister says, no, I'm his favorite. And the third sister says, no, I'm his favorite. And the fourth one said, he told me many times I'm his favorite. He told that to every one of them. See, they just don't know it. You're God's favorite. I said, you're God's favorite. You are in his good graces. Woo! Anybody here today? It's going to get better. Romans 5.2, in the New Living Translation, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Whew. See, today I'm a submarine and I'm torpedoing every, we're nothing but a beggar, we're nothing but a, but a, but a dog. I'm torpedoing every ship that thinks that. I'm sinking it to the bottom of the ocean because it's not scriptural. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Righteousness. Again, my point is when he blessed Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless all the nations. He was talking about righteousness. Righteousness is not simply a blessing. It is the source of all blessings. It is the one thing that makes every good thing from God possible. 
Righteousness is not a gold coin, it's a gold mine. Are listening to me? Anybody out there? So uh, I'm wandering the streets of the city and I see a beggar. So having pity on him, I offer him a meal. But when God found us, he did much, much more. He did not extend to us a handout. Here's a little bit of money. You know, hopefully someone else tomorrow will, will come your way. No, he brought us into his household and not as servants, but as sons. Oh, you did not hear me. I said, he adopted us. He took us off the streets and he didn't just give us something to eat and a few clothes on our back. He said, you are now a member of my family. Ooh, hallelujah. So we are in a place. I'm talking about spiritually in Christ because of what Christ has done for us. We are in a place of undeserved privilege. Hmm. Hmm. If you believe that, I think you'll walk with your head held a little higher. You won't walk around kind of like dejected and forlorn. You'll hold your head a little higher. Not arrogantly, but, but with gratitude. Undeserved privilege. A privilege is a special right or an advantage. See, some of you have been taught over and over and over again that you're disadvantaged because you're from scheduled caste, scheduled tribe, or your family doesn't have a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. You're from a more, you know, less developed area, blah, blah, blah. But God doesn't look at you that way. He says you have special rights, you have special advantages. Amen? Amen? A privilege is an uncommon benefit. It means we have something good that the average person does not have. Are you listening to me? It, it means there's a clear distinction between a son and a stranger. It means God will do things for us that he would not do for others because we're in a place of undeserved privilege. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. One step further. I don't know how much you can take. Righteousness. There's the righteousness blessing connection. Righteousness. Right standing with God. Being restored to God. Standing in that place of favor. Righteousness gives you rights. Righteousness gives you rights. See? You don't have to beg God to hear your prayers. Because you're not a beggar. Oh, please, please. You're praying like a beggar. And I know you don't mean it, but that's actually insulting to God. Because he didn't redeem you so that you could be a beggar. Are you listening to me? Amen. We have a right to be healed. Why? Because healing is included in the blessing. We have a right to supply and provision. Why? Because the very word blessed means empowered to prosper. Are you out there today? Amen. Amen. Now, 
Think of this one verse. I have to wrap this up. But think of this one verse. Romans chapter 5. We read verse 1, 2. If you jump down to verse 17. Romans 5, 17. It says that those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Other translations say they shall reign as kings in life through one Jesus Christ. Righteousness gives us rights. Righteousness, go away. Righteousness gives us dominion. Righteousness gives us dominion. It gives us mastery over the forces of darkness. You're not a pauper. You're a prince. It gives us mastery and dominion and authority over the works of the enemy, over sickness, over failure, over fear, over anxiety, and over sin. And it's interesting, it's interesting. They shall reign as kings. Why? Because they have the gift of righteousness. See, I, see the thing is, God has given you something so amazing and you put it on the shelf and said, that's nice. Because you didn't know what he gave you. They shall reign as kings in life. Now here's the thing. Just a thought. God said five times to Abraham, I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you. The Hebrew, because Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for bless literally means Bend the knee. Bend the knee. Which is kind of strange. Bend the knee. Because that's a posture of submission. I'm under you now. I'm submitted to you. So because I bend the knee to Jesus, he causes sickness to bend the knee to me. He causes poverty to bend the knee to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He causes the devil to bend the knee to me. That's reigning as a king in life. Are you out there today? So what I'm saying is this. The problem is We can't see the forest from the trees. We're focusing on this little detail, that little detail, this little point, that little point, but we don't see the whole picture. We have the wrong mindset. We're trying to believe God's promise, this promise, that promise, this problem, promise. We're trying to get God's attention through our desperate prayers. And maybe our fasting. Hmm? We're, we're, we see ourselves as those who must gain God's confidence and win his approval and bring him over to our cause so that he'll say, oh, okay, I'm convinced now. I think I'll help you. We are saints who pray like sinners. 
We are sons who act like slaves. We're trying to get blessings that already belong to us. That's the problem. I said to you last week, the blessing can be passed from one to another. Isaac blessed Jacob. It can pass from one generation to another. It can be inherited. The blessing is your inheritance in Christ. Well, when I get to heaven, praise the Lord, I'll have an inheritance. Honey, friend, you don't receive an inheritance when you die. You receive an inheritance when the person who willed it dies. Jesus died so that you could have that inheritance now. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah, not all of it, of course. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, etc. But you can have a big part of it right now in this life. One more time. The New Living Translation says, Christ brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. He brought you into a place of undeserved privilege where you now stand. You didn't put yourself there. Christ did. It's undeserved. It's undeserved. So that means it won't be yours if you do better. It won't be yours if you give more money to the church. It won't be yours if you volunteer more. It won't be yours if you do more good deeds. All of those things are fine, but none of those things will put you in this place. The blood of Jesus puts you in this place. Your faith in the blood puts you in this place. It's undeserved privilege. Now, I'm going to wrap this up. I keep saying that. Why? I don't know. It just comes out of my mouth. But notice this. Romans chapter 5, verse 2, New King James Version says, We have access by faith. We have access by faith into this grace. We have what? Well, number one, we have peace. Number two, we have access. Access means a way to approach, an entrance into a place that otherwise would be unreachable. It means an open door. An open door. We are in, we are standing in a position, a place of favor with God. Well, that's wonderful, but my life is still a mess. We access that favor through the door of faith. We access this grace in which we stand, this position of undeserved privilege. We access it. By faith. By faith. That's why I'm preaching to you. See, if it happened automatically, I wouldn't need to preach this. It would just, as soon as you got saved, boom, 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 reigning as a king. But it doesn't happen automatically. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Access also means to utilize, to use. We talk about internet access. What does that mean? Do you have internet access at your home? What does that mean? You have a way to go online. You can get onto the, onto the internet, right? We have favor with God 
but we utilize that favor. That favor is released in our lives as we continue to believe the gospel. We take advantage of our benefits by exercising faith. See, here's the thing. A lot of Christians, unconsciously, they think if this was true, it would be happening. It is true, but it won't happen unless you believe it. Just because it's not evident in your life, that doesn't mean that God lied to you. It simply means you do not believe it. Act like it's true. I don't mean pretend, but I mean, be, you know, like Abraham acted on the word of God, obeyed the word of God. Act like it's true, and then you'll see the results in your life. So stop calling yourself a loser. Stop calling yourself underprivileged. Stop calling yourself disadvantaged. Stop seeing yourself as someone that God hates. That's a lie from the enemy. That kind of thinking will keep you defeated in life. See yourself in Christ. See yourself washed in the blood. See yourself in right standing with God. See yourself with no condemnation, not even the hint of condemnation. See yourself with favor with God. See yourself with his approval. See yourself standing in his good graces. See God looking at you favorably. That's my son. That's my son. Amen. Now, I have to finish. We believe like Abraham. So we experience the blessings of Abraham. And in many ways, Abraham's journey, which began really with that vision in Mesopotamia, when God called him. Abraham's journey, in many ways, is a prototype, a pattern, an example of the Christian life. To be right with God, we have to leave some things behind. Just like he had to leave his country his kindred behind. We have to forsake that old way of living. We have to turn our back on sin. You see, it's not just adding a little bit of Jesus to your life. I'll take a little bit of Jesus, like we're handing out sweets or something. It's turning away from this world, this world system, turning away from the sinfulness of that and embracing Christ. Are you listening to me? And we must follow Christ wherever he leads us, even if we don't know where we're going, just like Abraham. God said, go. Where? Just go, and then you'll know. I'm not going to do that. See, Jesus is not just your problem fixer. He's your Lord. He's your Lord. Amen. He said, I'll make you into a great nation. We are part of a great nation. Through Christ, we are a chosen generation. The Bible says we are a holy nation. We used to be no people. Now we are the people of God. Say that with me. We are the people of God. When you say that, it just makes the devil mad. Say it again. We are the people of God. And we're blessed. You don't have to say that, but it's okay. We're blessed like Abraham because 
We have every spiritual blessing that heaven has to give in Christ. That's what Ephesians 1.3 says. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And yet, we know it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We're blessed to be a blessing, just like Abraham. Hallelujah. He said, I'll make your name great. But God's done something even better for us. He exalted the name of his son, Jesus Christ, gave him a name which is above every name. Heaven, earth, and hell are in, are in submission to that name. But then he gave us the right to use that name. Jesus himself said, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And we reign in life through Jesus Christ because of the gift of righteousness and an abundance of grace, not just saving grace, but overflowing, continuing grace in our lives. It's the blessing of Abraham that causes us to reign. The Hittites said of Abraham in Genesis 23, 6, you are a prince of God among us. That's the blessing of Abraham. That's your blessing. Those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. You are a prince of God. Abundance of grace. If you want more of the favor, you access it with more faith. So in other words, a Sunday morning faith is not enough. You need a Monday morning faith. Fair weather faith is not enough. You need stormy faith. Hallelujah. A, 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 an agreeable faith, which everyone appreciates, is not enough. You need to stand even when you stand alone. Hallelujah. You need the faith of Abraham. You have the faith of Abraham. And you're blessed with Abraham's blessing.